Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. As stated earlier in the week, this is a very big week. This is uh, very busy for me for a number of personal reasons, uh, but also the book's coming out. So um, there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot that I need to get to, a lot I need to do, uh, documentary stuff. And so I, I need to cut from somewhere. And unfortunately, I think there'll be either less podcast episodes or I'm going to be putting out shorter podcasts and some of the ones that I might want to prepare for a little more, I'm not going to be preparing for as much, but sometimes that makes it a little more fun. And this is one of those. This is a listener generated episode. Someone uh, sent this to me and said, John, are you going to comment on this? Um, Gospel Coalition Australia has put out a uh, an article on the 9th, I guess. I, so this is, or no, the 18th. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm an American. 1809. I, I thought 1809. What's the 18th month? No, that's the day. So this was um, now, uh, as I'm recording this, this was two days ago. Um, COVID vaccination and the church gospel coalition. Uh, let's read it together. I haven't read it yet. Let's just see what it says. And I'll come on it on it as we go. And some of you might not know this. I have already done uh, a few episodes, but one in particular on COVID, which um, I think it's called Before You Get the Shot, Look at This, something like that. Uh, and um, I am planning on doing more, just so you know, some deeper stuff on this. Uh, so um, you're, this is not exhaustive, uh, whatever I'm going to say. But I don't know what I'm going to say because I haven't read it yet. So let's read it. Um, okay, so it's by Megan Best, who's apparently a bioethicist. Um, and it says, uh, we offer her, let's see, reflections on the vaccine, da 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 it's mm-hmm. so it's offering a different let's see what this is a different um perspective why can't we why we can't sign two evangelical ministers respond to the ezekiel declare i don't know what this is okay so this is um this doesn't look like an article that's anti the jab Christian leaders have a duty of care to listen to experts and convey accurate information, not to publicly undermine health advice. Okay. All right. Uh, this is supposed to be their balanced perspective. I, I, I don't know about that. Um, looks like they're pretty pro uh, whatever the government says just about, or if, you know, generally the gospel coalition is kind of like, if the government says it, we'll do it, we'll incorporate it, um, but we'll kind of like, Sometimes we'll pull back just a little, we'll throw a little bone to the people who are skeptical just to be like, well, you know, we'll critique something that's not even that important, uh, like tone or something. But I do want to say up front, before we've even started to get into this article, they are recommending another article because they're realizing, they're realizing as they post this, it's going to attract people like me. It's going to attract people who are going to probably pull it apart and critique it. And uh, so they're up front saying, look, there's another post here you can look at if you want a, um, a different perspective on this, which how different it is, I, I don't know about that. Um, but all I have time to do is skim it. So let's read the actual article here. TJC Australia on the jab. The recent announcement by the Australian government that increased freedoms would be available to citizens who were double vaccinated for COVID-19 or have exemption on medical grounds has caused significant consternation in the Christian community. Uh, Issues of conscience and concerns about exclusion have been raised as reasons why such measures should not be introduced. This paper has been written to consider how Australian churches should respond. Okay, so the the situation is 
uh, that you can, and I don't know to what extent in Australia you can do certain things and can't do others if you have the, the two doses of the jab, because in Australia, it is much past where, I think even Canada is, it's much past where the United States is as far as limiting people's freedoms. And um, I mean, I don't know if you remember from last year, I mean, you couldn't even go outside except for like an hour or half an hour, whatever it was, your allotted time per a day. And the police, there's all these horrible things, horrible images of policemen tackling someone who's, you know, like, like alone, like there's hardly anyone near them. They're not infecting anyone. And the police just, you know, in the name of stopping a spread of something, will all uh, make an example of that person and I'll, I'll get in their personal space. But um, that's Australia. The lockdowns were the hardest there, I think. So now they're they're opening up. They're saying, uh, well, if you have these these two doses, you can do certain things. I'm assuming that means probably go maybe have more time during the day or go go to concerts or I don't know to what extent, but you can do different things. Okay, why we use vaccinations. There is no doubt that vaccinations can be an effective public health strategy to curb the spread of infection. We each have a God-given immune system and it protects us as we are exposed. Our immune system naturally works to defeat uh, and provide us with immunity against a future attack. However, diseases such as COVID have uh, can be life-threatening or leave us with serious health problems. Okay, two things I'm already disagreeing with here. Number one, maybe they'll get into, into it, but um, yes, I, I do believe, I'm not like uh, someone who says vaccines uh, are always bad. I think um, the, the traditional vaccine, right? The vaccine that uh, you're, you're going to give someone a dose of the bad stuff so that their bodies can create the good stuff, the antibodies for it. Um, I get that. I understand how it works. I think everyone does. We're used to that. This is different in the in the um, because this is the mRNA technology and it's it has not been used. We're part of a grand experiment. It's been used on animals and there's been some bad results. So this is not the same thing. You shouldn't even really call it a vaccine. Um, it's, it's a treatment perhaps, or an, a, an attempt at a treatment. I, I think calling it an experiment is fine at this point. Um, an experiment that, that has not been shown so far to be the best. Uh, but, um, so that's my first disagreement. My second one is, um, COVID-19 can be life-threatening. Yes, it can, but it's, if you have, um, con pre-existing conditions, if you're, um, elderly, there, there are certain demographic groups that, have uh, a problem with it but for the majority of people who are not in those groups um not it's not usually life-threatening in fact it's interesting lately and this is not a study this is just uh there are studies there's i know in great britain uh came out it wasn't even an official study it was just their numbers those who had the quote-unquote uh the, the treatment um were more likely to get the variant um, and the same thing happened in Israel. I mean, we're, we're getting numbers that are disconcerting showing, and, and, and in my own life though, without those studies, I'm just saying, I've noticed the same thing that the people who have gotten this, uh, the, the jab are the ones that seem to be getting the variant. And I've even had nurses tell me like, yeah, everyone who's coming in who has COVID right now are people who have had the vaccine. So, um, I mean, look, if COVID's life-threatening, you can still you're still getting COVID, or at least a lot of people are, uh, even if when they have the 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 treatment. And uh, it's it's not life-threatening for the majority of people, especially people who are in demographic groups that have you know extremely high over 99% survival rates. And the other thing I want to mention is because I know several people who have done this 
the alternative treatments that are out there, if you want to call them that, they shouldn't even be called that. They should just be the treatment. Some doctors are saying this is the treatment. This is the protocol. And and and, and I, I'm connected with a number of people who are using these treatments. I, I don't even know if I want to say it on the podcast because I think I'll get flagged. But they seem to be working. They really seem to be working. And there's not there's not a whole lot of studies. I showed you some in my episode on this. That they're the, the little that's out there, these little independent studies seem to be showing that, yes, that you can treat this illness with these alternatives and and they're safe. They're not they don't have the question marks that the mRNA stuff has. Um, and also um, they the well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. There, there seems to be safer options out there and the word's not getting out about them. And, and that you should ask yourself why. I know Project Veritas tonight is supposed to be, I should just say this, Project Veritas is supposed to be releasing some crazy stuff this week on um, some some really earth-shattering stuff. They say it's like the best work they've ever done or, or the most eye-opening work on this issue. You need to ask yourself, why aren't you hearing about these alternatives? Because they're out there. I know people have had them in my own family even and seem to have worked very, very well. Because um, what you know what kills you generally? It's when you get pneumonia. It's it's not the COVID. It's the it's the side effects of the COVID. It's it's the the pneumonia you get and and that and that kind of thing. And uh, if you can treat that stuff, especially early on, then you'll be okay. But anyway, let's keep going here. Um, prevention is always a safer option. Yep, I believe that. Vax, vaccinations vaccination can help us avoid or reduce severity of future infection. Well, I'm not so sure that's the case. There seems to be some some data that. That suggests otherwise. Vaccines trigger our immune system to respond and develop immunity to that disease without having to actually experience it. Except how many of you, when you got the jab, experienced COVID <laughs> right after? Safety and efi- uh, efficacy. Uh, the COVID-19 virus is a new virus with new vaccines, rare but serious. Adverse events associated with vaccine have been reported, blood clots, um, and cardiac problems. Okay, at least they're mentioning that. Early recommendations restricting the use Let's see, of one vaccine, uh, we're based on risk-benefit calculation for the individual. A uh, Let's keep going here. Skip ahead of this. Delta variant is transmissible in light of the new situation. Except here's the thing. It's transmissible. It seems like it's mostly with the people who have gotten the jab that it's transmissible. Um, I no, I, I'll just say this. In my own personal friend group and the people I know and stuff, no one who has not gotten the treatment has gotten the Delta no one, not one person, myself included, but no one has. Um, I know of several people who they got the jab and they got the Delta right afterward. Um, and I don't, I, I, I don't know why exactly. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. I have, I've read some stuff explaining why, but I'm not going to pretend to know why. Uh, we are on this podcast going to talk about some of these things as we progress. And I'm really hoping it happens this week. Um, just really just trying to correlate schedules but uh, with the people I want to have on the podcast to talk about it. But um, anyway, let's keep going. The revision highlights one of the problems in this conversation, the constantly changing landscape is more is learned about COVID and its management leading to changes in health advice, which can be seen as contradictory and confusing when the fact is a commitment to keep up to date. This has led to some citizens being unsure of which authority to trust. Uh, But we now have solid evidence. Okay, so here's the thing. We now have the evidence. We have the solid evidence of the impact of COVID vaccines from research involving millions of participants. Double vaccination has many proven benefits. It significantly reduces the risk of catching the virus, reduces the likelihood of severity of symptoms if you do catch it, makes hospitalization 73% less likely, reduces the risk of developing long COVID by 49%. 
Um, and there is a source here. Let's see. Let's click on this. Okay, it takes us down to a source. Risk factors and disease profile of post-vaccinations. Uh, let's see. Let's let's just see what this is. Shall we do that? Shall we do that together? Uh, let's do it. And it comes up here. Okay. And there's a study. Okay, we're not going to read this all now. Findings, introspections, funding, conflict of interest. Let's let's look at this. Um, let's see. The European Commission and National Institute of Health were involved in this study. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm. Grants from Massachusetts Consortium, pathogen readiness during the conduct of the study, and personal fees from Bayer Pharma, Pfizer, and... Oh, okay, I'm not... I don't have to read anymore. Um, so there could be potential conflicts of interest. You should know this about the study. Uh, and the findings, let's see, are probably the risk factors analysis. Um, okay, so um, the point of this is lower odds of infection following. Uh, so, so you're less likely to be infected with the virus if you get the uh, treatment. That is the point of this. And so I've seen some some data that suggests otherwise. Um, so I would have to get more into this study to figure out why this is suggesting the opposite of what I've read before. But here's the thing, even if this is true, let's say it's true. Um, the concern from long-term effects that people have of, with the mRNA technology is enough, I think, to for you to say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. There's alternative treatments out there that seem to be working just fine. And I'm not, especially if you're not in a group that is high at risk for this, you don't have a reason to. Why do this? And why then um, make it mandatory, you know, put strings attached to it? Well, if you get our treatment, then, which uh, of course is in billions and trillions of dollars is at this point being made off of it. If you get that treatment, then now you can have your life back. But you won't have your life back until you get this, even if you already had the, uh, and, and this is already proven, it's, if you already had COVID, you're significantly less likely to get the, the variant and to have a, a strong case of COVID um, than if you just had the vac, uh, the, the treatment. That's, that's our, there's already studies that say that. So if you're in that category, I'm in that category, then there's no reason to get the treatment. Uh, but they're still putting strings attached to the treatment. Um, I mean, they could do a simple antibody test. They could find out whether you had it before and they could but they're, they're not doing it that way. Why? That's the question. Ask these questions. Gospel Coalition, why don't you ask these questions? Maybe there's a nefarious or less than honest, uh, less than uh, <laughs> loving your neighbor reason that the strings are attached to this. Even if this is all true, still not necessarily a reason to get that. You don't know what the long-term effects are. Okay, let's keep going. However, while the rate of infection among those who are fully vaccinated is low, risk of infection still remains, especially with increasing age. Therefore, it is important to know how... Vaccination impacts transmission of the virus. In fact, vaccinated people are much less likely to pass on the virus. Uh, double vaccination um, reduces the chances uh, onward of virus transmission by 40 to 60. The reason for reduced onward transmission is that there is significantly less virus detectable in vaccinated people. In summary, vaccination protects uh, not only yourself, but those around you. Well, unless you already had it, <laughs> then you don't need it. So why isn't that taken into account? Why isn't that part of it? And then you got to get, what, what, do you have a third booster now? I mean, how many boosters are you going to have? Uh, and then what about all the side effects? I mean, she kind of mentions it briefly, but then what about, what about them? 
And what about the possible long-term effects? Uh, and, and think about the stories you even know from your own life. I mean, look, if this was the, the, the horrible disease that people portrayed it to be last year, and it's bad, it can kill you. And I, I know people who have, you know, died from uh, infections and pneumonia uh, that was sparked by this. Uh, you would see people dying on the streets, though, if it was to the point of the way the media portrayed it. I mean, you would see it around you. And we didn't see it to the extent that we would have thought we would have. I'd like to suggest that if it's still that bad, if it's still this horrible, dangerous thing that it's just, it, it's re, everyone's dying on the street, you're going to see them dying on the street. Think about the people you know. Think about the life you live and the people in your circle. And how how many of them have recovered, how many of them, what they did, all that stuff. Put that into your mind too. Not, don't just, I, I think the data is important. I think it's good to get into data when it's actual scientific data. But sometimes if you don't know who to trust, sometimes start with what you do know okay that's what i'm just encouraging you if you're not medical just start with what you do know and then work to what you don't know um and what do you know from what side effects do you know from even the quote-unquote treatment i know of tons of them from people i know it, it possible some of them we don't know there, there's a correlation blood clots and things we don't know um i mean i know of someone who's basically administering this treatment and uh, someone who's postmenopausal who uh, had bleeding and had to have uh, a procedure basically to, to correct that just from being around people who had it and were shedding their spike proteins. I mean, this kind of thing is happening. And there's not a lot of studies being done about this stuff. All right, let's keep going. The goal of community vaccination programs is to achieve herd immunity. It's really working, isn't it? Herd immunity works through achieving sufficient population immunity. That transmission chain of disease is broken. We understand. Okay, let's skip ahead. We know how that works. We know because of the variant and everything that doesn't seem to be happening now. Why vaccine passports in a liberal society? Restrictions imposed by the state on an individual's liberty are justified only to prevent harm to others. Okay, this is, I think, probably the crux of the article. Let's read that sentence. In a liberal society. That's a positive thing in this article. Liberal society. Restrictions imposed by the state on an individual's liberty are justified. When? When are they justified? Only to prevent harm to others. Okay. Now, if this principle, if this is the only principle, if it's just to prevent harm to others, you can justify anything, then that's a blank check. I can make an argument about almost anything. That, well, you know what hurts other people? Divorces. You should never get a divorce. You know what hurts other people? Driving your car. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Let me give you some stats on accidents, right? In a liberal society, we should require that. And we look, We here's the thing, though. There, there is, we do require driver's license in, in our communities. Um, why not take it a step farther, right? Why not say, well, we need a person, you know, state uh, authorized drivers who went through a very intense, uh, I don't know, training and they will be your official drivers or, or with smart technology, we should just, you know, have smart cars do it or something. I don't know. Um, there is, there, there is a kernel of truth. And that's why I think a sentence like this, you, you were, we kind of want to go along with it at first. Like, oh yeah, okay. That makes sense. But I would say there's something more that this needs to be tempered by. It's not just, it's not, it, there, there's a check here that needs to be inserted here. Uh, there are things that you're going to do 
that will have negative effects perhaps on others, but you are free to do them. There are other things that you are not free to do. How do you make that determination? How do we make the, the determination of what's a personal choice and what's not? I say it's uh, harming others when you tell them a lie about their eternal future. Like, you know, religiously, when you, when you practice a false religion. So we should just ban all that. I say it's harm to others when um, you, oh, I don't know, uh, when you don't tie your shoes. We should have a law about it. You could trip on someone. And look, if you even, if, if you get hurt, the people who rely on you are going to be in trouble. They're going to be up a river. Um, I mean, I could just come up at the top of my head with tons of things. You should wear, everyone should wear cowboy hats because you know what? The sun causes problems and skin co you know, cancer and look at the cost that skin cancer. No one should be going tanning. Uh, we should be, you know, going to the beach is bad. Um, you know, it, it because what? It, ca it causes harm to others. But there's a sense in which at some point someone takes personal responsibility for themselves. And, um, and, and if, if it, uh, you know, if it harms other people, then you yourself are going to steer clear of the person that's harming other people. Or you're going to be prepared for the fact that, look, they ate a Big Mac every day of their life and they're going to die probably early of a heart attack. You're going to be prepared for that kind of thing. And as a responsible adult, uh, then you can, you can prepare. And it's not up to the state to protect you from all those kinds of things. So there, there is somewhere in this a principle that must be applied and i think it, it's in christianity i think it comes from primarily this the doctrine of spheral authority when you realize there are different responsibilities given to different uh institutions to the state to the family to the government the government's job is to punish evil so if it is evil and evil in the the that traces back to um capital offenses that God has laid down, things that are direct attacks on the image of God, these kinds of things, the state is to punish those things. The state is to punish this kind of crime when you're directly doing that. When you, so, so if you're stealing from someone, if you're murdering someone, right, that the state steps in and says, okay, we, this is, this is for the responsibility of the state to punish this thing. When you're eating a Big Mac every day, when you're, um, you know, doing something personally with your body, uh, you're getting tattoos, you're, um, you're going to um, smoke cigarettes, whatever, you know, and I know the state's stepped into that already. The state's also stepped into biggie drinks and stuff. But when you're, when, you're, when you're doing calculated risk assessment as an adult, and this is your personal jurisdiction, you're not committing a crime against someone else, even if the effect of your decisions could harm someone else. Um, it's still, it's not direct, it's indirect. And that is a principle that is unmentioned here. The, the difference between a direct and an indirect threat to someone else. If, if you're directly intentionally trying to harm someone that is much different or your negligence uh, is to the extent that you're harming other people uh, because you're so negligent, you're, it's a direct harm to them, a uh, direct threat, you know, leaving, leaving nails out, you know, and in a public area so for people to step on, that kind of thing. And you're just you know, totally have a disregard for human life. That's one thing. But when you're um, managing your body in such a way that's not as good as it should be or could be, that's much different. That's indirect. And so there's no, there's no way to rectify. This is just a blank check. This sentence is a blank check. Restrictions imposed by the state on individual liberty are justified to prevent harm to others. There's no limit to that. So this is where the Gospel Coalition is giving 
basically a blank check to the government at this point when, when you endorse this kind of thinking. Unvaccinated individuals present a risk to society by being more likely to get infected and thereby infect others, possibly overburdening the health system and preventing others from accessing care. Yeah, I, I don't, you know what? Here in the United States, especially the healthcare system, that I, and I know people in the healthcare industry in the worst areas for this, the worst areas. Um, and they, it never did get, during the height of this, it never overburdened the healthcare system. I remember in New York City, Donald Trump sent these these boats, right, to, to help. Never got used. All kinds of equipment and stuff sent up there, ventilators, things that never got used. Uh, nurses uh, staying in the hotels, waiting, being on call if they help was needed, uh, not getting used. The morticians went on strike in New York City. Most of you didn't know that. And all these camera images of all of these bodies, there's so many bodies. Uh, yeah, because the morticians went on strike. It wasn't COVID. So this is just, this is scare tactics here. In the attempt to achieve her immunity, incentives and disincentives for vaccination against COVID have been widely discussed. One idea that has been proposed is a system of vaccine passports. Yeah, that, that's going to bring us right into China's social credit system, guys, if we do this. Um, similar to those who have, that have been introduced in many countries. The idea behind a vaccine passport is that you cannot justify restriction of a vaccinated person's liberty as they do not pose sufficient harm to others. Uh this is just so out of sequence, so out of um, step with the world we're living in. Vaccine passports and Christian gatherings. Okay, so this is supposed to be about Christianity. Let's keep going. For Christians, a major concern raised by the introduction of vaccine passports is the question of whether double vaccination should be a requirement for attendance to a church meeting. And we're not even talking about that in the United States, but this is what they're talking about in Australia. Double, double, and it'll, it'll be triple soon. A duty to gather. Biblical texts uh, require, you know, Hebrew, they cite Hebrews that you shouldn't forsake the assembling of saints. Uh, several observations about these verses should be borne in mind. The situation being addressed in the letter of the Hebrews is not one in which the readers have found themselves temporarily prevented from holding large face-to-face gatherings. Its challenge is not to believers who are conscientiously minimizing health risks by compli- complying with a public health order. It is to believers who are growing slack in their care for one another. And sh- okay. All right, let's just, let's eat through this one, okay? The, the argument here is, well, this is temporary, and it's a good reason. Okay, I doubt it's a good reason, and it's not temporary. It seems to be going on and on and on and on. Is that not true? I mean, this is way, this is what, a year and a half after the fact, and we're still talking about this? So please don't tell me that. And number two, it's not just Hebrews. It's not Hebrews, like that's the verse that everyone has got, got to get around. You've got to get around the idea that your spiritual gifts are used in a community of believers, and you're a body of believers, commanded to gather. And that's the habit of the church. That's the tradition of the church for thousands of years. And this goes through even the bubonic plagues. Martin Luther housed people who were, had the black plague at his home. They, the, the Christians ran into risking themselves to help others. And uh, they did not forsake the assembling together. There Are there times, I've talked about this, blizzards, those kinds of things that make it impossible for a su- Sunday or two Sundays or a, a short season to gather. Yeah, there are. Logistically, it's impossible. Uh, but that is um, th- that is would be the definition of temporary. This is not temporary anymore. This is this is there's no light at the end of the tunnel unless you do what the government wants you to do and basically adopt China's social credit system uh, or the beginnings of it. And um, I guarantee you, Hebrews isn't talking about that. <laughs> so this is. Um, this is manipulation. This is, well, you know, these are people that are just choosing. Not, yeah, that's the same thing now. They're choosing not to. 
The churches that aren't open now, they're choosing not to. You can, you, you can still do this. Even if the government says no, do it. Do it anyway. This is what people in Canada are having to learn. In order to get together to use their spiritual gifts for the edification of one another, they, they have to do this. And um, it, it's using the full spectrum of the gifts that are outlined. All right. Uh, not just a Zoom meeting. Zoom meeting isn't going to get you there. The reference to meeting together in verse 25 is grammatically subordinate to the primary exhortation. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Its function within the sentence is to unpack what will... All right, so the argument here, let's skim. Um, the argument is, look, love and good deeds trumps the meeting together, basically. The, they're trying to pit the, these against each other, which is, that's great. Using the same, you know, one, using two verses and pitting them kind of against each other. Like, look, you got to meet together. Uh, but you know what's more important? You got to love one another. And love and good deeds means what? I guess getting the treatment means not not meeting. So for love and good deeds, we don't meet together. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's uh, the verse says love and good deeds meet together. They're saying, well, love and good deeds don't meet together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. The kind of meeting together that the verse encourages is a vehicle for mutual encouragement does not necessarily require large weekly extended indoor gatherings. There are other ways in which we can fulfill. Yeah, Zoom. So Zoom church. Okay, now the argument is for Zoom church. Okay, nevertheless, it is true that face-to-face -face presence with other believers is basic to how Christians' life is normally to be lived. Yep, that's true. Um, in our current context, this gives us Christians a further motivation to embrace the opportunity of vaccination. If that will help to create conditions under which such gatherings will be safe and legal. So do what the government says so that you can have your, uh, so that you can obey God. It's not even have your rights back. It's so you can obey God. You know, if you really want to obey God, you got to do what the government says here. I'm sorry. Um, no, you don't. You can obey God. You can just obey him. And I mean, this we were fed the line for years. And I just did an episode yesterday on this. We were fed the line. Well, as soon as the government tells you, you know, commands against something that God um, requires, then it's your duty to disobey the government. And we get to those situations and all of a sudden it's like, well... No, actually, you have to submit to the government in this one also. And, and th this is, it's so frustrating. If, if you, as a father, let's say, and w with children, if you have made the determination, you've done your research and you say, look, we are not, we don't have the risk factor. It's more of a risk to get this treatment. We're not going to do it. And before God, I'm responsible for my family. This is my Christian duty. And I need to still meet with the body of believers. And now they're going to say, nope, not until you submit to the state. Uh, then I'm sorry, you have a conflict there. And it's whether you're going to obey God or men at that point. That's the only question. And TGC is taking the side of obeying men. And I don't have a problem saying that. They're, they're not going to characterize it that way. They'll say, well, no, or you, know, you again, do this so that you can obey God. But what's the filter that you're running everything through? Obeying man first. Conscientious objections. For a small number of vaccine hesitant, vaccine hesitant, that's the community we live in. The vaccine-hesitant Christians. The objection to vaccination is a conscien conscientious one, arising from the fact that process of developing some... Okay. So they're getting into this, the human fetuses, stem cell lines. Um, there are good reasons why Christians who place a high value on human life should support rather than oppose the use of vaccines, though, currently available, none of which contain fetal cell tissue. You know, And I don't know about this, by the way. I'm pretty sure that all of them, somewhere along the line, have a connection to using or test and maybe that's not true anymore maybe but i know the moderna and pfizer ones definitely had a, a connection to the fetal cell lines 
they're saying, no, there's other options here. So they're saying they're trying to take that one off the table. Um, but that we're not even we haven't talked about that yet in this. So we can skip through that. Non-conscientious uh, conscientious objections. Other Christians resist vaccination for a variety of other reasons. Anxiety. Anxiety about the vaccine's extremely rare side effects. Or Okay, this is a belittling of people who have legitimate concerns. It's trying to put it in the category of emotion. They don't have reason. They have emotion. They're anxious. And then it's trying to, the article is trying to, to basically say that this is so rare. It's like you're scared of monsters under your bed. Um, you get over it, basically. Uh, there, this is not a matter of conscience. And, how, and I would suggest, yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you have done your homework and you believe that this is bad for your family it is going, and you're willing to die in that hill, then it is a matter of conscience. Um, and if, if the meat sacrifice to idols issue is a matter of conscience, this far more so. I don't understand how they can say this. Questions for Christian leaders and congregations. Um, let's see. COVID-19 era churches will be aiming to be inclusive, uh, given the current state of our knowledge about the vaccine and assuming levels of community transmission and hospitalization that are within the capacity of our health system it is reasonable to anticipate that there will soon be a time when opening our churches to those who are double vaccinated will be unproblematic. But what about those who are unable to be vaccinated for medical reasons or ch children in our church communities who are too young? What about those who object to vaccines for conscientious reasons or because they distrust the experts? What do we do? Oh, no. What about the frail and sick members in our churches? Okay, so here's the biblical principles. Love our neighbors. In the absence of convincing arguments, accepting vaccination should be strongly encouraged as a way to reduce the duration of... All right, so here it is. Here's the argument. Uh, it is obvious and practical way in which Christians can obey God's command to love our neighbors by doing what? Getting the jab. Getting the jab is loving your neighbors. And I've said before, and I said this on social media, I'm trying to love my neighbors by telling the truth. Telling the truth. Um... Loving your neighbors isn't participating in lies. Loving loving your neighbors is telling the truth. And if you if you believe you have the truth, if you believe that this is a, is a, a risk that should not be taken, then tell the truth to your neighbor about it. Speak the truth in love to your neighbor. And also protect your neighbor's personal liberty and liberty of conscience. That's also loving your neighbor. Defend your neighbor's rights. Not give them up in the name of loving your neighbor. Defend them. This isn't loving. This is turning love on its head. Obey our leaders is the next one. Our government has legitimate God. Uh, Romans 13. Here we go. Um, there, <laughs> let's see. Uh, there are situations where Christians um, to love God and may require them to stand in civil disobedience against an unjust law, but it would be a rare situation indeed in which conscience required us to disobey the public health measures put in place by democratically elected governments. You see, if they're democratically elected, you don't have tyranny, apparently. Um, now, this is just ridiculous. Uh Again, Romans 13, what's it about? If you do actual evil in the eyes of God, the government can punish you. Don't get punished by the government for doing actual evil because it's the God's servant. That's Romans 13. I would suggest to you right now what the government's doing is evil. Trampling on people's rights and liberties, um, participating in a big farce, not letting legitimate data get out there. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just even social media working in conjunction with the government to deny people's access to uh, the public square and warning others about this stuff. The government is, I can say this about the United States. Look at Fauci. Look at the gain-of-function research stuff. Look at who's benefiting. Uh, what is his wife, the uh, high up in uh, the CDC or something? I forget which one it is. But there's, he's making millions off of this. 
these people are not to be trusted. They've gone every which direction, and it seems like whatever decision they make, it's what benefits them. Respect the conscience of others, Romans 14. Well, so I'm sorry, with number one and two, you already disregarded that, so I'm not even going to read um, Roman this respect the conscience of others thing. Uh, prioritize the weakest and most vulnerable. It is our duty to uh, to the wider public and our care for the congregation whom we gather. Okay, so if that's true, I can turn this on its head and say, look, if you're going to prioritize the weakest and most vulnerable, how about those who are going to get, uh, who have gotten um, side effects from these treatments and those who could potentially get side effects in the future because we don't know what's going to happen because this is all a big experiment. Trials don't even complete until next year and the year after. So how about we prioritize the weakest and most vulnerable by looking into some of these alternative treatments that uh, have been proven in small studies to work. How about that? But nothing about that here. A path forward. Um, let's skim through this. I don't have a lot of time left. I'm just going to skim here. Um, okay, last sentence. Uh, with care, creativity, and willingness to pursue the good of others ahead of our own co convenience and advantage, it should be entirely possible for us to practice both our call to minister the gospel to all people and our responsibility to love our neighbors and care for the vulnerable without requiring one of these commitments to trump the other. Well, this is garbage. This article is garbage. Um, it doesn't actually help. And this is the thing about Gospel Coalition. This is the thing I don't understand quite. I, 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 if they have a political angle, I kind of do. Here's the thing about them. They kind of portray themselves as this outlet to help the church. And I'm not saying that there's nothing that's ever been posted there that helps the church. There may be some things. In general, you read their articles, though, they don't answer the hard questions. They're soft peddling whatever is, it's like they soft pedal whatever's progressive, whatever the government wants to do. And then for conservative positions, especially, they nuance them to death. And that it's a trend I see commonly with Gospel Coalition articles. And it, it doesn't really help the church. You read an article like that, and afterward, you, there's not a lot of information you walk away with. Like, you know what? That really helped me think through this issue. It's mostly like, wow, that you really were stretching things to try to convince me to take the jab. That's what that was about, stretching even biblical principles and passages to do that. It's not helpful. It, it's just not, it doesn't assist the church in any way. Um, if you really love people, if you really care about people, why not? Why can't you even mention some of these things? Why can't you mention hydroxa? And I won't finish the word or Iver. I won't finish the word. You know what I'm talking about? Why can't you mention those things? Why? Why is it like forbidden to even acknowledge their existence? If you really care about people, um, why? Why not mention the the other? Uh, they're just statistics. They're not even studies. But the other the stats showing the if you get the jab, you're more likely to have an infection. Why, why doesn't that make it into, at least acknowledge that kind of thing? Acknowledge that there's uh, countervailing, there, there's, there's information that does not go along with the point that's trying to be made here. Um, it, there's a lot of belittling too. I mean, like I said, putting people in the uh, category of emotion if they object. Um, they, they're just, they're ignorant they're uh they're afraid for no reason those are the people that are against this that's the, that's the impression you get so it's kind of like signaling to the status that like we're on your side we're on your side don't come after us we we told them we told those conservative christians to get it that's what i see that's what i see coming out of tgc so that's my reaction to it listener generated episode once again we're doing a couple of those this week hope that was helpful god bless and uh like i said more coming later in the week bye now
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.